Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, Who Can Forgive Sins? If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, truly you have filled us with good things. Even unbelievers, your enemies, the pagans, you have filled them also with good things. But thanks be to God, you have given us something more than food and clothing, wives and children and husbands and fathers and mothers and friends, and a country with loss. Lord, you have given us the good things of Christ. You have filled us with Christ. You have filled us with the Holy Spirit. You have filled us with salvation. You have given us forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we pray that you help your people to understand what you have done that they may rejoice and serve you with gladness. And I pray, O God, that you, if you have brought people here who never confessed Christ as Lord, never truly received good things from him who is good, Lord, have mercy upon them. Give them the good things of Christ. Forgiveness of sins. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sudden destruction awaits all people unless their sins are forgiven. Sudden death for Christians is not a loss but again. And so I urge you to understand this truth. You do not know what awaits you today, but it is appointed for man once to die. And then comes the judgment. Who can forgive our sins? According to the most reliable source, the Bible, the very word of God, there was a sufficient cause for the effect of creation. And that sufficient cause is the infinite, triune, personal God. Yet the crown of creation, man, sinned against God. And he and all his descendants are born sinners and practice sin daily, storing up wrath against the day of wrath when God will judge men's secrets in righteousness. Who can forgive man his sins? 
can I forgive my own sins? Can I forgive my neighbor's sin? David confesses, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. All sin is transgression against God, against his moral law. Unless God himself has a way of forgiving our sins, we are without hope doomed to destruction. We would die in our own sins to die forever. The Bible tells us that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. And this gracious God revealed his plan of salvation to Moses. A salvation by the sacrifice of a substitute. And we are told in the book of Leviticus, the sin offering was given by God. It's a gift by God to take away the guilt of the community by making atonement for them before the Lord. And Leviticus 17 verse 11 reads, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Adam sinned, and he must die an eternal death. The soul that sinneth, it must die. The wages of sin is death. But God ordained the death of a substitute for atoning the guilt of, of our sins. Thanks be to God. For the doctrine, the beautiful heavenly doctrine of the substitutionary atonement. It is said that on a church building there was a sign. We preach Christ crucified. As time went on, the ivy grew and covered the sign. Now it read... We preach Christ. The ivy grew more. Now the sign read, We preach. The church began preaching the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But gradually the people became very sophisticated and became ashamed of the cross salvation. So they simply preached Christ, a human Christ. Not the Son of God. And then they became still more educated and sophisticated. 
They stopped preaching even a human Christ. They simply preached. They simply preached about themselves, man and his goodness. As a church, brothers and sisters and visitors, we still preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. First, I want to speak to you about the law and then the gospel and then forgiveness of our sins. Our text, chapter 10 of Hebrews, beginning with verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. The Mosaic law required the sacrifice of bulls and goats, especially on the Day of Atonement, to make atonement for the sins of the people. But this Mosaic system of animal sacrifice was only a shadow of good things and not the reality of good things. It was certainly divinely instituted, but it was only an interim measure. It was preparatory. It was only a sign, not the destination. It was temporary, foreshadowing the good things of our eternal salvation. It never made the worshiper perfect that is able to draw near to God freely. That is, it did not cleanse them of their guilt. It made them again and again conscious of their sins before God. So the author confesses in Hebrews 7 and verse 19, For the law made nothing perfect. It did not provide the sinner with free access to God. Their sacrifices repeatedly offered only reminded them of their sins. So we read the truth about the Levitical system, the Mosaic system in verse 4 of chapter 10. It is impossible. Ah, do not turn. Powerless. Impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away their sins. Animal substitution did not bring about forgiveness of sins. It was powerless to do so. It was only a teaching device. It was pointing to a better substitute. A human one. How can brute, irrational, unwilling animals be a fit substitute for man created in the image of God, the crown of God's creation. David understood this. And in Psalm 51, he says, you do not delight in sacrifice, 
or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Samuel the prophet long ago said, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And he is speaking to you today the same thing. As much as in obeying the voice of the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. How can brute beasts absorb the wrath of God against us? Against us sinners. The truth is that a repeating sacrifice of animals does not in reality atone. Paul understood this powerlessness of the law. And we read in Romans 8 verse 3 and 4. For what the law was powerless to do. In that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did how by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. We needed a better substitute. A human substitute for human sinners. We needed a sinless human substitute. Yea, we needed a substitute who is both God and man to atone for the sins of the whole world. So, second, the gospel. Look at verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, therefore means in view of the impotence and the failure of Mosaic system and animal sacrifices, the Son of God came as the substitute, which is the gospel. God promised to send us a fit substitute long ago as he spoke through David. Psalm 46 through 8, the author quotes in the Septuagint. And Psalm 46 through 8 promises a better substitute, a heavenly one. Psalm 46 through 8 speaks about the incarnation of the Son of God to become our substitute. So we read in verse 5, Therefore, in view of the failure of the law, the reason of the incarnation of God's Son was the failure and impotency of the Mosaic law to atone for our sins. What God required was not sacrifices and offerings of millions of brute animals. He desired a human being who will honor God by honoring the law, by fully obeying God's law. We needed a second Adam to undo the evil of the first Adam. Wonder of wonders. 
we read, therefore, when Christ came into the world. That is from heaven. He came into the world. From the bosom of the Father, he came into the world. In fact, we are told in verse 7 and verse 9, Behold, Idu, behold, that is, look, see, wonder, wonder, something has happened. In midpoint of time, wonderful things has happened. What is this incarnation of the eternal Son of God? Behold, people of the world, behold! In the failure of Mosaic system, look and see God's Son coming, taking human flesh to become the fit substitute for us sinners. So Angel Gabriel tells the shepherds, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news. The incarnation, there is a baby that is born in the town of Bethlehem. Wonder of wonders. God became incarnate. And we are told in Psalm 40, God the Father prepared a body for the Son, for His eternal Son, a body you have prepared for me. Our salvation was the Father's eternal plan. And so the Father prepared a body for His eternal Son. The incarnate Son will fulfill God's eternal plan without fail. What was God's will for his son to do? It is stated, you go home and read, to perfectly obey God's law in our place and die on the cross. The apex of his obedience is seen as he hangs on the cross for the sin of the world. It was the salvation of all God's elect sinners that was God's eternal will and eternal plan to be accomplished by His eternal Son. He is to save the people of God by obeying God in everything, by keeping God's law fully and dying the death of the cross for their sin. He is to absorb God's wrath that was due us. And he did. So the Father prepared for him a perfect human body. So Gabriel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Turn to chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 6. 
15 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin holy thing chapter 7 verse 26 such a high priest meets our need one who is holy blameless pure set apart from sinners exalted above the heavens and John tells us the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth and Paul tells us in Galatians 4 but when the time had fully come God sent his son that is from heaven that is from his bosom born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And are you a sinner, sir? Madam, are you a sinner? There is hope for you. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. In the volume of the book, it was written of him. He knew it. And he says so in Luke chapter 24. He says, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, the writings, all speak of me. The Old Testament was promising a fit substitute to die in our place to make atonement for our sins so he said the volume of the book it is written of me that Christ must die and be raised from the dead and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed to all the nations in his name. Forgiveness. In this body, Father prepared for him, Jesus came to do the will of his Father. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 50. We read to you from verse 5 through 7. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. This is speaking about Christ Jesus. And I have not been rebellious. He is a son. A son obeys the father. I have not drawn back. I offered my back to those who beat me. My cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. 
Turn with me to John chapter 4. We want to show you, to you that he came to do the will of God without failure. John 4 and verse 34, Jesus says, My food, my pleasure, my strength, my joy is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And John chapter 6 and verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. What was the will of him to save us? by his perfect obedience in our place. John chapter 8 verse 29. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I have, I always do what pleases him. John chapter 10 and verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 14 and verse 31. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. On Gethsemane, as he felt within him the sin of the world, which was put on him, he said, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but thine, be done. And what was that will? That he may accomplish salvation for his people by substitutionary atonement. So the writer to the Hebrews tells us the ultimate cause of our salvation, that is the forgiveness of our sins, was the Father's will, which the Son fulfilled by his sacrifice of himself on the cross. Freely and willingly, unlike brute animals, he loved the church and gave himself for her. The sinless Son of God, our great high priest, offered himself as the perfect offering willingly in our place as our substitute, thus absorbing all God's wrath against us sinners. That we shall not experience infinitesimally, even infinitesimally, small part of the wrath of God. He absorbed it all. He suffered all of it in our place. And his sacrifice ended all sacrifices. Read, uh, let's read Romans 10 and verse 4. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. He put an end to Mosaic system. He killed and annulled and 
set aside that Levitical system of sacrifices that did not atone anybody. But Christ's sacrifice put a stop to it. His sacrifice was accepted by the Father as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Friends, now flows from the cross forgiveness of our sins. By the sacrifice of Christ, he abolished the first covenant to establish the second, the covenant of grace. The new covenant. So Jesus said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. The Bible says, Hebrews 9 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And then we are told in 10 4 of Hebrews, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. Blood shedding there must be, but whose blood? The answer is the blood of Jesus Christ. And Christ has shed his blood, therefore there is forgiveness for all people who will come to him in faith. So God's Son became incarnate to die our death. His blood is shed in our behalf. The sin problem has been solved forever. Because Christ's blood is shed, there is now forgiveness of sins. Go ye into all the world. Preach repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations in my name. Christ became incarnate. Christ Jesus died. Let me read to you chapter 10 and verse 12. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. Or verse 10. And by that will we have been made holy. How? Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I say Christ became incarnate, the eternal Son became incarnate, Christ Jesus died, Christ rose from the dead, Christ is seated. And the writer tells us here in verse 11, the Aaronic priest always stood, sir, always stood. Their work was never finished. But Christ by his death finished the work of atonement and he is seated at the most honored place of God's right hand as king and priest from the utter shame of the cross he ascended to sit at the seat of greatest heavenly glory so Jesus told the Sanhedrin, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. That is clouds of glory. 
many sacrifices, many priests offered for many centuries, failed to atone our sins. Now one priest, by one perfect sacrifice, offered on the cross, the sacrifice of our great high priest, God, man, Jesus Christ, once for all, atoned all the sins of all God's people, who ever lived and who shall ever live. Jesus said from the cross, it is finished. His work is done. He rose and he sat down. Now there is good things in his house, more than food and clothing, good things of salvation. Christ destroyed our death by his death as a good thing. And he says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. You can go to the university, you can go any place you want. And they may cut you down. They only assist you in going to the very presence of God. No man can destroy you. Good thing, sir. Freed us by his death, freed us from fear of death. Look at chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 8 and 9. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation, sir. Eternal salvation. Eternal inheritance. Or look at chapter 9 and verse 26. It says, but now he has appeared... That is in reference to the first coming of Christ once for all at the end of the ages. What? To blot out our sins. To do away with our sins. And the third is forgiveness of sins. The blessings, the inheritance that flow from this one perfect sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Athanasius in the 4th century said he put on a body so that in the body he might find death and blot it out. And he found death and destroyed death by his death. John Bunyan declares with such confidence listen to this sinner you think that because of your sins and infirmities, I cannot save your soul. But behold, my son, son is by me. But behold, my son is by me that is seated with me. And upon him I look, and not on you, and deal with you according as I am pleased with him. Hallelujah. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Turn with me to the second Corinthians, chapter 5. 
this glorious theological formulation of our salvation by Saint Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit of the Living God. Second Corinthians five seventeen, nineteen and twenty one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come, sir. I want to see the new in you. Not the same old, same old, same old rebellion and stubbornness. The new has come, sir, if you are a Christian. And verse 19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. God the Father was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. But it must be counted against someone. And it was counted against his own son. That is the explanation of the cross and the death of Christ on the cross. And verse 21, God made him that is his son who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, the double transaction, what the theologians call. Our sins put on him and his righteousness put on us and we are as righteous today as Jesus Christ himself. And God considers us as though we never sinned. And St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 that Jesus Christ has become our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, or I can say he has become our justification, our sanctification, and our glorification. Or I can say he has saved me, and he is saving me, and he will save me, sir. I am a new creation, not an old one that is baptized in water, a wet old sinner. No, sir! I'm a new creation. So let us look at some blessings. Turn to chapter 10. And verse 1 says, the law is only a shadow of good things. Well, we are not in shadow. Good things have come in Jesus Christ. And we taste it, and we eat it, and we enjoy it. Good things have come. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news. Good things. Good news proclaims good things for you. In the one who is good, Jesus, Jesus Christ. And number two, 10 verse 1 and especially verse 14, God made us perfect. It is in the perfect tense, Christ made us perfect and we are perfect now and we shall be perfect in the future. That is the tense, perfect. That's speaking about justification. 
perfect, sir. Tetelioken, Christ made us perfect. But you say I have sin in me. Well, read verse 14, not in New American Standard Version, which is not correctly translated. NIV translates it correctly. Let's take a look at verse 14 of chapter 10. Because of once by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever us who are being what? Sanctified. That's correct. Christ's death, death on the cross is the cause of our justification. It is the cause of our sanctification. It is the cause of our glorification. He who justified us, sanctifies us right now, working within us, transforming us, sir. Not only he declared you righteous, but he transforms you by writing God's laws in your heart that you love it and you do it. By the power of God who dwells in me. That's why I don't have great respect for wet sinners. Who are just old, 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 stubborn, rebellious. I have no respect. Because it's a false pretension. Notice, if you are justified, you are being sanctified. By the same death of Christ on the cross. If he justified you, he will transform you by working within you, sir. And not only that, what about the future? We already dealt with that in chapter 9, verse 28. Here we are told, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, not to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's glorification, sir. That's glorification. He gives you a body like unto his glorious body. Hallelujah. Sin, even the very presence of it is gone. And you all will be like Jesus Christ himself on the basis of Christ's death on the cross for us. And another thing is, chapter 10 verse 2, you don't have any more guilty conscience. Satan may accuse me and come and tell me this and that. And I say, the blood of Jesus Christ forgives and forgave all my sins. I used to be afflicted by this type of thing. But I am cleansed of all my sins, sir. And not only that, you read that God remembers your sin no more. Isn't that wonderful? You can remember all you want. But God does not remember your sins anymore. And not only that, look at verse 15. Holy Spirit testifies. We are a people who experiences the ministry of the Holy Spirit. On, from the scripture, 
as well as he ministers to our spirit telling us we are children of God you are children of God you are going to God you are not going to hell sir I have made you a child of God the spirit of God ministers to you with your spirit as well as from you the word of God as you read the word of God you eat it you grow by it you delight in it sir it is never a problem and I ask you do you read the Bible on a daily basis if not you are not a Christian you cannot be a Christian it is the food for God's people I ask you do you eat physical food the answer will be yes 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 seven times five times three times what about about this man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God and look at verse 18 sins forgiven hallelujah therefore forgotten sins forgiven who can forgive our sins only God in Jesus Christ can forgive our sins all religions that does not speak this truth is false and it is a crime against God it is despising of God when you reject the only way of salvation through Jesus Christ there is no other Savior sir hallelujah and tell me let me tell you now you are fit to draw near to God and we are told draw near to God come on draw near to God your evil conscience is taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ you have a good conscience draw near to God come pray to me worship me come draw near to God that you may find mercy and grace for time of need sir that every work you need to do he will give you grace to do it he will equip you we are told and he will work in you to do his will sir mighty power of the Spirit of God will come upon you hallelujah draw near to me because the sin problem has been dealt with by Jesus Christ hallelujah let's praise him hallelujah but that's not all sir let me read to you chapter 10 verse 13 a serious word here it says since that time Christ died Christ rose Christ ascended Christ is seated since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool are you his enemy or are you one who surrendered to him there is no other way of obtaining forgiveness of sins God forgives our sins in Jesus Christ there is no other way of salvation Jesus Christ is the only Savior he justifies us sanctifies us glorifies us if you fail to repent and trust Jesus alone Jesus Christ is your enemy and he shall defeat his enemies and the father says sit 
until I make your enemies your footstool. Either you will be seated with him or you will feel the pressure of his feet on your head. Think very seriously. Are you his enemy or are you a subject of Jesus? Turn with me to the book of Joshua and let me read to you chapter 10, 24 to 26. When they had brought the kings of to Joshua, these enemies, these rebels, five of them, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to army commanders who had come with him, come here and put your feet on the necks of these things, these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. Then Joshua struck and killed the kings and hung them on five trees and they were left hanging on the trees until evening. There are enemies here this morning. You haven't surrendered completely to Jesus Christ. Partial surrender is no surrender, sir. There is only one surrender he accepts, which is complete and total surrender. In this conflict between you and Christ, I say by the authority vested in me and revealed in the scripture, you lose and he wins. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians and chapter 1. Verse 8 through 10, let me read it to you. This is the very word of God. I am speaking to you if you are a rebel. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. Serious business, sir. Jesus Christ is the victor. He has received all authority in heaven and on earth. May God help you to rejoice in this forgiveness of sins, in this great salvation, in this free access to God and worship him in spirit and in truth and rejoice in his presence. And you experience his justification and his sanctification and hope for this great glorification that is coming to you, sir. Rejoice that the Holy Spirit is even now ministering to you from the scripture. Hallelujah. Revealing to you that there is forgiveness of sins. And if you are not a Christian who trusted in Christ, if you are not trusting in Christ, let me assure you, your money shall not save you. Your gold shall not save you. Your position and power shall not save you. You will die in your sins, hopeless and miserable. And the point is, you never know. You never know, sir, what's going to happen to you today. You don't know, sir.
make your calling and election sure. Examine your souls to see whether you are in the faith. No more sacrifice. There's only one, and that is Christ. What a glorious thought. Substitutionary atonement. Christ died for our sins, and we are saved. Heavenly Father, I have proclaimed your word. Spirit of the living God, apply the truth of this gospel to every heart that is eager to hear the gospel. Good news. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Jesus baptizes. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. Good news. And those who never trusted in you this manner, help that individual to fully surrender to this Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that he or she may also be saved and live a life of great hope and joy. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this sermon entitled, Who Can Forgive Sins? Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.